Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Caitlin Parsons. She is a certified intuitive eating and body image coach and hosts the podcast, The Body Truth. How are you doing today, Caitlin? Hey, Brad. I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much for taking the time to be here and share in your personal story and journey with us. And welcome to the Empowerography community. It's an honor to have you here an honor to be here. I'm excited to share. So let's jump right in. Caitlin, as I mentioned, you are a certified intuitive eating and body image coach. You are a speaker and the host of the Body Truth podcast. How long have you been a certified intuitive eating and body image coach? I have been coaching for about five years and my business has taken a few different directions in the time that I've been coaching. And so I started out in more of a holistic health arena. That's what I got my first certification in. And that kind of goes into my story as well, too. It was very well-intentioned, but still attached to some disordered behaviors that I wasn't aware of at the time in terms of how I was coaching and bringing information in around our relationships with food and our bodies. And I was also going through that myself, too. And so by way of my healing journey and working with clients and my own research and education, I finally (laughs) embrace, (laughs) (laughs) I say finally, because it was a journey, but finally embraced the um, intuitive eating concepts and really dug in and did the work myself. And through that process decided I really wanted to get certified. And so I went through that process with the creators, Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Resch, and really just changed my entire business. And that was about three years ago. Uh And then tacked on body image certifications and trainings and just kind of built from there around around those two foundations. Okay. And what were you doing for work or as a career before you decided to jump into the coach realm and entrepreneurship? So I have a background in fashion. I got my degree in textile design and I thought that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I really saw myself in New York in a big office and hustling around with clothes or styling (laughs) people or, you know, dressing windows. I wasn't too sure. But after school, I, I landed 
my dream job actually, which is still crazy, but I landed my dream job at Urban Outfitters and it truly was. I remember being a kid and going into that store and thinking, oh my God, I have to work here one day. I have to work (laughs) at the headquarters one day. And so to actually land a job there, and that wasn't even my plan through school. It was, it was really wild. I did pursue fashion for the first few years of my career and really just burnt out, Brad. I, I really, you know, that's a very high stress industry and being in it on top of going through my own mental health struggles. I was still battling an eating disorder at that point. It was just a lot all at one time. And I really, I hit a burnout point and I wasn't working with any support at the time. And so I just took it upon myself to just leave all together. So very much in that black and white mentality. Wow. Yeah. And I had a great boss at the time. She gave me the time, the space to really look for other options, but I made a complete 180 in terms of career shift. And I went into recruiting for the next several years. And so I was recruiting for accounting and finance professionals, which is comical because I, (laughs) I practically failed math um, (laughs) for my entire education. (laughs) So how ironic. <laughs> I I didn't have to do math in that profession. I just had to, you know, coach people in finding jobs who yeah. were good at that. So it really helped me cut my teeth in terms of relationship building and marketing. And it gave me an opportunity to really just understand some skills that I was just naturally good at and gravitated towards and felt easier than some things like math. So I really (laughs) realized in that career, I loved listening. I loved helping. I loved helping people pursue their dreams or go through somewhat of a transformation process in their career. And, and so that's something I was really able to develop. And that was really helpful when I started my own business and really started to pursue coaching because it really transferred well. And I was able to build on those skills too. So that, that was the most recent job before my coaching business in, uh, in health was recruiting. Okay. Now, do you work with only women in your, in your business now? I mean, I wouldn't think that only women have eating disorders. There's men as well, but of course, this is part of, I guess, the generational or whatever you want to call it, the conditioning for men or boys as we're growing up. We're told not to show emotion. We're told not to talk about certain things. We're told this, that, and the other. Whereas women are just naturally nurturers and emotions are part of showing emotion is part of the DNA of women. That's, that's just part of it all. So do you only work with women? In my business, I only work with women. Okay. Um, I'm open to that changing possibly in the future, but I, I really, I enjoy working with women and it's just how I've built my business so far. So yeah, as of today, just women. Was that intentional then or was it just the way it happened organically Um, it was was intentional yeah because I really I I hear you 100% I think there is plenty of space and it's so needed to have conversations around men and the relationship with food and body for the male community as well as other gender communities and and 
it's just, it shows up everywhere because we yeah. are all living in the same culture. Right. However, I was really intentional about working with women because at the beginning of this, I felt so unseen and so unheard. I didn't have the language for it back then, but that's how I was feeling as a woman going through this. And I wanted to create a safe space where the women that were in my community, the clients that I was supporting really felt seen and understood right from the get-go and just knew that they had a safe space where they could come and feel related to and also get, you know, skill development and right. tools and really the support that they needed as a woman in the world to heal this and really just go deeper in their own healing journey because healing is a process. There's not a finish line. No, absolutely. It's a continuous process. And I mean, do you think that this is a huge issue though among men as well? It's just not talked about. I do. Absolutely. Not I- not nearly as big as as women though, would you say? Or would you say it is? Mm. I think that it shows up differently, Brad. I think that that the pressures that women are under in society and how they have been, how the pressures have shown up in so many ways by way of just our patriarchal system. Yeah, yeah. Capitalism and whatnot. There's just an added pressure to body image. That being said, I don't think that men are immune from this at all. I think that it shows up in a different way. And I, I certainly think that some of the added additions in our culture right now, such as social media and just media in general, and just the performance culture with gyms and the wellness diet, as Christy Harrison's coined it, that's really played a a huge role in just the struggles that men face today. Yeah. Now in your entrepreneurial journey as a coach dealing with these things, are there many men coaches helping other men with this? Or is that typically, is your industry typically female dominated? It's absolutely female dominated. Okay. That does not mean that men aren't out there doing this work. Right. Some great coaches out there doing this work. That being said, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely female dominated. Okay. okay. Now, this journey began for you into into what you're currently doing with your own personal journey and struggles. Can you talk to us a bit about your personal struggles? Definitely. So I will just preface that it is a process and it is a journey. And so I always like to share my story from that lens of I'm not done because I'm not dead. (laughs) And I really, (laughs) thankfully, I really am committed to the long-term trajectory of healing and really, you know, destigmatizing that for people and creating safer spaces to be able to have that type of conversation. But I really found myself in a pretty tumultuous relationship with my body at a young age. I suffered through some pretty severe allergies as a kid, which kind of put me in this restrictive place, very restrictive place around all dairy products, all milk products before things were readily available in that category. And so I was introduced in the world because that was honestly when I was a baby, introduced into this fear-based perception of food and my body because there were so many foods that I could not eat. And there was all of this fear wrapped into how those foods would impact my body. And also being a child, I didn't really have the language or the intelligence to distinguish a lot of foods. So there was a lot of fear growing up and I did grow out of that allergy. It left quite an impression though around 
my relationship with food and my body and having that experience. And then my cultural experience of just being a young girl in our society, going into middle school, being faced with comparison for the first time in a really life altering way. It was the first time I went on a diet and that kind of put me in this space of just in middle school. Yeah. And that's actually really common. Yeah, unfortunately, it is really common. And it makes a lot of sense too. you know, you're 12 years old, your hormones are changing, your body is changing, your life is changing. For most people, they're entering into a new demographic and social circle from elementary school to middle school, it's quite different. And it's a highly impressionable age. And so not only who you're surrounding yourself with socially, but what you're watching that's impacting you in a completely different way than it ever has before. And honestly, Brad, it, it starts a lot younger than that for so many women. So, but for me, that's, that was really the first memory that I have of it being highly impressionable where I was actually taking action to control the way my body looked and what I was eating. And that restriction led to binge eating at the end of middle school. And this is really classic in terms of the restrict binge cycle. And I obviously didn't know it at that time, but I found myself on the opposite spectrum of being highly restrictive and just feeling out of control around food. And so I have so many memories of hiding food or going to people's homes and eating more kind of in secrecy and feeling just so ashamed and uncomfortable in my body and just out of control around food, like I had said. And unfortunately, that led to bulimia. And so I started purging. And that was kind of a completely different chapter in terms of my relationship with food and my body and my mental health, quite frankly. It was really confusing. It was really lonely. It was really shameful. I was really good at hiding it. And so I'm sure you can only imagine the <laughs> emotions that were kind yeah. of brought on by that performance all the time with appearing. Well, having to always be on. Yeah, always on. And that really ties into a level of perfectionism that I've, I am continuously working through and, and support clients a lot with as well, too. But yeah, the, the bulimia was something I struggled with all through high school into college, really took another turn and, and got even more severe at that point. And then I kind of did this dance with treatment where I would be pseudo recovered for a bit of time and relapse and recovered and relapse up until I was in my mid 20s and decided I just couldn't do it anymore. And it was really starting to take a physical toll. My teeth were starting to get a lot of wear and tear. I could see the translucency on my enamel was something I was constantly worried about. And so Uh I just knew at that point, I had to make a change. And So I sought out a therapist who supported me at that time. So I was able to manage my bulimia and I'm happy to say I have not had a relapse since, which has been wonderful. But unfortunately, that led to this next chapter of orthorexia, which is an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. And so I was in this mindset of using food to heal my eating disorder. So I was just kind of in that belief system that if I eat clean, and I eat really purely, then I will be able to prevent anything happening. So it's rooted in control. Obviously, I'll be able to prevent anything from happening to my body. And I'll be able to heal what I've the damage that I've caused to my body. 
And I'll be able to share this with other people because it was a straight up obsession. And so at that point I was, you know, I was in the mindset of my God, I'm researching this most of my day. I might as well, you know, I, I think I can use this to help other people. And so I really started my business from that really disordered way. And, um, yeah. And so the last thing I'll say in this story is all throughout this time, I struggled with binge eating. So even, even through the restriction, even through healing my bulimia, even through the orthorexic period, I was still struggling with, with binge eating and, you know, it just kind of looked differently in different parts of my journey. So sometimes it was entire boxes of pizza and, you know, multiple cartons of ice cream and whatnot. And other points it was gigantic smoothies and trays of veggies and boxes of granola and just like really classically healthy foods. And so I never felt like I could trust my body. I never felt like I knew what true hunger and true fullness felt like. I, mm-hmm. I felt like I knew what extreme hunger and extreme felt like, but I had no benchmark in my life to anchor anchor that into, to really have a compass around that for myself. And so when I mentioned before I shifted my business, that really was this moment of feeling incredibly anxious, feeling really distraught with my body, feeling like a fraud in my business because I was keeping this binge eating secret to myself while I was teaching quote unquote healthy eating to my clients. And it was just incredibly out of alignment. And I, I felt burnt out on how I was treating my body. I felt mentally exhausted. I was always, you know, I was constantly preoccupied with food in my body and I just knew I had a really difficult moment of realizing what I wanted in my life personally, and also what I wanted in my work as well too. And, and it was not lining up with who I was at that time. And so I, uh, I really had to take a step back and I, I got, got some more support at that time and still working with my therapist today. And she's just such a important part of my healing journey and yeah, it really changed everything for me at that point, just deciding, first of all, and then the hard part, doing the work, which yeah, is, I, you I know, it usually e- gets worse before it gets better. And that Absolutely. is definitely true for me. I can't imagine the mental exhaustion that you must have been dealing with to keep up this, for lack of a better term, facade when you're coaching, but you're dealing with these issues of, of your eating disorder and then trying to coach people on how to eat properly. <laughs> My mind is blown like that. I can't even imagine how difficult that must have been and how exhausting it must have been for you. It was exhausting and there was a lot of shame. You know, I felt like I was not worthy in a lot of ways. And I felt a lot of, yeah, just a lot of embarrassment, you know, and I had a, I had a really high standard for myself. There was a lot of negative self-talk. My inner critic was really loud at that point in my life. And, you know, even as I'm saying this out loud, I am grateful for every experience that I've had in my life, you know, as, as dark as these days have been, some of these days have been, it brought me to where I am now. And I am so grateful that I've, you know, I've learned from them. I'm continuing to learn when they show up and build my toolkit and my skill set. And I'm also able to bring that into the work that I do with clients now, which is everything. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Well, I mean, exactly. That's, that's shaped who you are today. All of these experiences have brought you to this point of where you are today and how you show up for your clients and how you show up for yourself. Yeah. And showing up for yourself, that is such an important theme that I was not even aware of for so much of this story. Yeah. I didn't even really have a concept of what that looked like or what I wanted it to look like. I had no barometer for how to measure that in my life. If I was actually showing up for myself, I was in such a doing mindset all the time, checking boxes in the black and white mentality, the all or nothing. That's what I live my life by. That's what felt safe for me. Mm -hmm. So it was really this practice of peeling back the layers, understanding the root of a lot of this and being comfortable with sitting in discomfort. You know, that's something that I was, I can look back now and so obviously see through the work I've done. And this is really true for a lot of clients that I support, but so much of this struggle that we find ourselves in around food in our bodies is to avoid potential discomfort, Mm -hmm. whether that's how the world judges you or your family or your work or, you know, whatever, it's really wrapped up in identity. And so it's so much easier to put our worth into our body because we can actually name it Yeah. for so many of us. And so it's, it's a lot of identity unraveling and rebuilding too. I find it interesting that you said that doing mentality. It reminds me of a friend of mine. She, she reminds me from time to time as like, we are human beings, not human doings. And you got to remember that, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I have a shirt that says a hundred percent human being. It's one of my favorite shirts. Because, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, permission to be human, permission to feel, permission to yeah. Yeah, feel all of the emotions, not just the good ones, you know, the classically good ones, but to really understand feelings are feedback and and to really get curious through the emotional process and to build the resiliency around understanding that you can do hard things in the process. Yeah, I was just speaking with a woman just before we got on our interview and she was talking about failures and she said someone told her that failures are feedback. Mm, and I, I thought love that was that. very, yeah, very, very interesting spin on looking at the word failure and defining the word failure. I prefer to use the term life lessons or something to that effect as opposed to failure, but that's a very interesting way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, so much of this is perspective and your mindset around things and how you make choices in navigating your mindset around certain things. Vocabulary is really important as well too. So yeah, I I think that is a wonderful opportunity to reframe reframe that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Caitlin, how have these experiences helped shape the Caitlin you are today? Do you think? Mm, That's such a great question. I mean, I think that I am more myself unapologetically now than I ever have been. And I think that is for a few different reasons. I have an understanding of why all this has happened psychologically and by way of just experiences and just doing my work around connecting the dots as well as understanding some of the deeper context 
socially and politically and culturally. And so that's been really helpful in being able to just understand what is contributing to the woman that I am today. All of these variables that kind of just ruminate in the background of our lives while we're living them that we don't really consider often. And so having gone through these struggles and getting to a point where I can unpack those struggles and understand what's contributing to the struggle to begin with has been huge. It's given me permission to, to really just be versus feeling like I have to do all the time. And it's created more self-compassion in my life. I have a a really dedicated self-compassion practice. It created more compassion for myself to offer the world, which has changed my relationships. It's, it's really, you know, the struggles and where I am today, it's given me an opportunity to live my life more freely and more deeply, I think too, just the connections that I experience with people, the work that I am involved in, the, the rest that I give my, myself permission to have, the way that I play during the day and just through life too. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's really taught me a lot and it's continuing to teach me too. I think just having surrendering to that. I know we keep saying it in this conversation, but just the journey of yeah. continuing to learn, continuing to heal, continuing to be curious. Yeah. That's huge. Huge. It's, it's so profound. 100%. I mean, so how would you say then these experiences have also helped you in your entrepreneurial journey in terms of the work you do with your clients? I mean, I, I think that the work that I do with my clients and the journey that I've been on myself has allowed for far more empathy than I had ever imagined in the work that I do. Almost to a fault at some points, Brad, because I would consider myself an empath. I'm a highly mm-hmm. sensitive person. So I really feel things deeply, especially getting to this place, which is interesting because around some chapters in so much of my story around the struggles in food and body, I feel things so deeply and that's so intense sometimes. And so having that outlet to numb the strong feelings, you know, I have a better understanding of what I was doing at that point, and also what I do now to numb those feelings that I need to be just aware of. And so that's really given me an understanding of how to be empathic for my clients, but also to create boundaries so that it can really show up more powerfully and compassionately. I think that's the biggest one, just that that sense of empathy and also the commitment to, you know, I think because there were so many points in my own journey where I just was on my knees thinking like, this is how it's always going to be. I can't imagine my life not existing this way without this preoccupation or without this struggle or without this fear. And to be on the other side of that while still, you know, doing my own work, but really to be on the other side where I don't struggle with food in my body in that way anymore. And I never thought I'd be able to say that. It it really gives me this commitment to the work that I do with clients in just letting them know it is possible. You're living proof. Yeah. And to champion through that. And also that commitment to continuing to do the work and educating myself on how to support them to get to that other side as well, too. I think that's so important because 
this is my lived experience. It's their lived experience. And so empathy is a really strong bridge to be able to connect to somebody, but also understanding their unique experience and facilitating the tools and skills that they need at certain points in time to go on their own journey, I think is, is really important. For sure. What is it about the work that you do that excites or inspires you the most? Oh my God. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I love the work that I do. I love my clients. I really only work one-on-one with clients. I occasionally run group coaching programs, but I just absolutely love one-on-one work. And I am so grateful for the clients that I get to support and feel deeply committed to supporting them. And that's my favorite part, just being with them, being in, you know, holding space for them in their struggles, celebrating the hell out of their success, <laughs> holding space for curiosity on their, on their part. You know, I love learning from them. I love, I love obviously coaching and, and helping them to build the skills to move through this, but it always just lights me up watching somebody go through this process and their own journey and get to different chapters that are really pivotal and level up moments as we call them in their own journey. And it's definitely my favorite part. It truly is an incredible experience and feeling to see that the work you're doing with people has an impact and is life altering. It, it is honestly, you can't even, you can't really put it into words, the, the feeling it gives you. At least that's what I find for me anyways. I, I just, there's not enough descriptive words to properly convey the feeling it gives you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I hear you. I feel similarly because it's hard to express how I feel for myself going on that journey and that that level of transformation and being able to express watching somebody else go through it. You know, one of one of the big milestones that I help a lot of clients get to is ending the binge eating cycle. And uh-huh. when we're starting this journey, it I mean, if anybody gets that, it's me, just the the secrecy and the shame and the time and the preoccupation and just all of the emotions that come up around food in your body when you're struggling with binge eating and what that steals from you in your life too. How many plans you cancel, how many moments you miss, how many opportunities you turn down. And so to get to see a client get to a place where they're not only just tapering off because that's usually how it goes. It's not usually just like a cold turkey situation, but to really get to a place where we can sit down in a session and have them say, I haven't binge ate in, you know, two weeks, three weeks, three months, however long we can celebrate it. And to just know that that's their new normal. And it's not about perfection because of course, in the healing journey, especially in, in the beginning, first couple of years, there's absolutely plenty of opportunity for slight relapses here and there, but to have, you know, the majority of your days binge free. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. watching somebody get to that place is just so great because I know how it feels also too in my own experience. I think it's also important to note that those little wins and not to minimize them, but those small steps are to celebrate those successes and, and 
just sit with it for a moment and and revel in it and enjoy your success that you've taken that step and gotten to a week of not binging or two weeks, whatever the case may be. Mm, I'm so glad that you said that, Brad. That is everything. Celebrating the small wins and the small successes. And that often, I'm not sure if you find this in your work, but so often there's this momentum that's built that I often see with clients where we'll sit down in a session and we'll just start, you know, going through things and without being specific about something, it'll just come up in conversation and I'll pull back and say, wait a minute. So when you're not doing this anymore, when did this this happen? Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) And that's great. I mean, that's exactly what should be happening. Yes. But it's so amazing when we can be in containers to allow all of this transformation to occur because it does just build on top of each other in a really sustainable way. Yeah. Now, obviously you're a huge advocate for self-love and body positivity and women's empowerment and, and all of these amazing things. Can you speak a bit about on what those things mean to you on a personal level? Yeah, definitely. So I appreciate you asking the question. I do just want to clarify the question mm-hmm. because I'm I'm really passionate about yeah. this. And I think that it's something that our culture is is in the process of shifting language around. But I'm really an advocate for body neutrality okay. and body acceptance rather okay. than using, body acceptance. Yes. yes yeah. Yes, yep. Rather than using the language body positivity. And I think it's important that we make that distinction because especially in the body image journey of healing and for so many of us, most of us in this culture to have the bar set at body positivity, to have that expectation for ourselves of I have to feel positively about my body all the time. That is such a far reach for most of us. And that can really often leave us feeling defeated and Mm -hmm. like it's unattainable and reaching. And it really takes us into that doing versus just being. Yeah. And so I find that really striving for body neutrality, feeling neutral in your body, feeling, you know, in relation to your body in that my body is a vehicle for me to live in this world and taking away the worth from our body and the identity around our body, that that tends to be a much more gentle place for for so many people to start and to aim for. And that's been true for me as well, too. I often Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, there's just so much peace and feeling like I can sit down and reflect on where am I today? You know, like where, where am I today in terms of my relationship with my body? Because (laughs) the interesting part of body image healing is just because I'm a body image healer doesn't mean I never have bad body image days. They absolutely exist. Absolutely. I was telling that to a client the other day and I was like, whoever says they don't is lying to you. Yeah. They're full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's impossible. We're humans. Yeah. And so on those days, I really try to just aim for how can I accept my body today? How can I just give my body some gratitude for pumping blood through Uh my veins and, and breath. And, you know, I'm grateful for the ability that I have in my body in, in moving and what it can do for me. So just some context around that. And yeah. one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about female empowerment and body acceptance and, and all these things is first of all, my own grieving process in the system that I was born into and the culture and the water that I swam in for so long and the patriarchy around that. 
and also just my own process of grieving and getting angry and really understanding what contributes to me feeling like I have to attach all of my worth to my body as a woman in this culture. And from there, really just being committed to educating other people on knowing where this comes from and really encouraging individuals to do the work themselves, to really go through the emotional process themselves and to build their own toolkits around this because you deserve to take up space. Everybody deserves to take up space, but particularly women in particular, you know, we've been taught for years and years and years and years and years don't be too loud. Don't be yeah. too needy. Don't be too dramatic. You know, just stay small and quiet and don't be too much and, you know, be a good girl and just stay in line and, and then you'll be fine. You know, then you'll be safe. Then you'll be accepted. And that's just not true at all. And the fact that we were taught this is maddening. It and, is. and so I, it really stems from there, just this personal commitment to challenge that wherever it shows up and to also educate around why this is a problem. I think it's interesting. Sometimes I'll hear other body image speakers talk about the process of healing body image. And so often, and these are incredible speakers and perhaps there's just not enough time, but so often we leave out the imperative aspect of why this is even coming up in the first place Yeah, and the history around just diet culture and the the fact that this has been a a narrative that's been handed down from generation to generation that we have to unpack and the systems at play and kind of what's controlling this and i think it's important to be able to name that for ourselves because so often we think that we're the problem for sure i've often feel that a lot of this healing can feel really powerful when we are able to take that pressure off ourselves and understand there is actually a system at play here that is creating this feeling that we're the problem. And so being able to distinguish that is super helpful and a huge mission of mine and being able to share that with other people too. I love it. Now in the media, self-love and women's empowerment and body acceptance, uh, for me, to me, they come across now in today's day and age as buzzwords or catchy or the cool words to use and hashtag. And I mean, of course the media has played a huge part in this almost, I want to call it watering down of these statements and these words where it's almost like they don't hold the same amount of impact or power that they once did. What do you think about that? What are your thoughts on that? Would you agree or would you say, no, you're full of shit, Brad? You don't know what you're talking about. I think it depends. You know, I think that those words had different emotional weight at different points in time, depending on what, you know, what was going on culturally, politically, socially. And, you know, I really feel like we're in a moment where it's being rebirthed in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, I think that that comes with a lot of challenges and a lot of things that we need to challenge. Okay. But I do really feel this rebirthed energy in this next generation of women in terms of redefining female empowerment and and self-love and body acceptance and really making it a a point to bring in more diversity and inclusion, you know, across all different ages, bodies, abilities, 
genders, you know, in, in terms of so many different economic structures and, and whatnot, I really feel like the volume is shifting and we're zooming out on a lot of these phrases in a really radical way, which I think is important because mm. I agree. I think that for a while now it has felt really narrow and in female empowerment has kind of lost its luster because it's kind of been assigned to one demographic of women. And now I feel like we're turning a corner into really zooming out and creating space for, you know, deeper conversations, confronting issues that we just haven't in this movement before. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what's to come and where we're at right now. There's definitely a huge, huge shift happening. Huge. It's and it's it's almost like we're in a pressure cooker and it's it's going to explode soon. And it's it's I think this it's been building for a while, but I want to say specifically since the pandemic started, it's really started to show itself. And I think it's going to be amazing for the world. It's going to be a huge thing the world over. And I think it's much needed. It's been a long, long time coming. And like I said, I think it's just really started to have a light shown on it since the pandemic started last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the pandemic, there's so much loss and grief and sadness. Absolutely. And everything, but it also gave us an opportunity to challenge a lot of these things and some space to educate ourselves on a lot of these issues that, you know, unfortunately, so many of us just weren't giving ourselves mm-hmm. the time to do. And this is true on an individual level and a on a cultural level. Mm-hmm. level as well too and so i really feel that also so speaking of empowerment what does that word mean to you oh my god i get all the feels when i hear that word i to me empowerment just means showing up taking up space completely unapologetic in your body in your own essence as a human being in this world i love it now you launched your podcast called the body truth podcast. Can you talk to us a bit about the podcast? Tell us what it's about. Is it interview style? Is it just you talking? Is it a mix of both? Yes. It's uh, a, yes. The the straight answer is yes to all of it. I'm answering yes to everything. (laughs) Oh my God. It's a storytelling podcast. It's also, you know, aside from working with clients, this is my favorite thing that I have in my business. And obviously it's a podcast, it's completely free. And so I love sharing that with the world, but it's just me and one other woman each week going through her body image story. And from there, we really dig into their expertise and just go deep into a lot of conversations that we just don't talk about as women. So everything from mental health to body image, of course, a relationship with food, a lot of, a lot of things just as women, you know, we face fashion, Mm -hmm. identity, expectations, motherhood, hormones, just a a lot of different, a lot of different parts that all relate to how we show up in the world. What inspired you to launch the podcast and where can people find it? You can go to my website, caitlinparsons.com backslash podcast and everything's there. Or you can just search body truth on any podcast platform and you'll find it there. Funny enough, (laughs) I started a radio show in my bedroom when I was like 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It was with my best friend and I loved just 
I love doing that radio show. Nobody was listening. It was just us, but we would record it on cassette tapes. We did it every single day for an entire summer. My dad bought me like an editing station and all of these sound effect CDs and things <laughs> awesome. like that. I mean, it was really professional, Brad. <laughs> and we had microphones and everything. It was great. So it's always been in my blood. And I was in like TV and radio production when I was when I was growing up through school too. And I started listening to podcasts before anybody knew what a podcast was. I was always the girl with my friends where I would say, oh my God, I heard this on a podcast one time. And everybody would be like, what is a podcast? (laughs) They had like this running joke that Caitlin would always say one time on a podcast. (laughs) And so I think I was kind of predestined. I just, I love the art of conversation. And I just think it's one of the most intimate media platforms that we have in our culture right now. For sure. You know, I, I, for anybody who listens, my heart is just overflowing each week that you're taking the time to put us in your ears and to Mm -hmm. go on a walk or clean your house or lay on your bed or go for a drive, whatever whatever it might be, but it it really does feel like just sitting down with somebody. So I always had the thought of starting this in my business. And a few years ago, I just decided that it was time. And so I did. I love that. That's, that's exactly it. The gratitude for our listeners and that they take the time to spend and listen to what we have to say. It is phenomenal. Mm, it, It is. I mean, it's everything I I'm deeply grateful for for anybody who listens. Caitlin, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Listening. <laughs> Active listening. Active listening. <laughs> I, and honestly, it's just, well, and it kind of goes hand in hand, but I'm insatiably curious. I love hearing people's stories. I love, like, I have a million questions that I want to ask you right now. Well, you can have I, me on your podcast. <laughs> you're, on- well, you're a man. I don't know. I could though I could bend the rules (laughs) but yeah I I love getting to know somebody and I love hearing about someone's life and what makes them the way that they are and I just have the just a curiosity for life that's always been with me Mm -hmm. I love what you said in the previous answer about the art of conversation and I I think it's so important and I mean podcasting it it, as you say it's a wonderful and intimate art form and it is truly an art form i the skill of interviewing people and turning that into a conversation so that it flows and is not coming off as just rapid fire questions one one right after the other and and it, it truly is an art form and it is a beautiful thing and you're right it is incredibly intimate yeah, I, I feel I feel like that too. It definitely is an art. And you're a fabulous interviewer, I will just say. I really thank feel you. I appreciate that. So seen and heard in our conversation and like the space was held really well and the tempo is Oh, we're really, not done yet. Really we got our so, ways okay. to go yet. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Success to me. I think that's just the act of being. I don't think it's necessarily attached to doing. I think that it's a decision that you make. And I think that success can show up in many different ways. And it's your choice in in choosing to decide if something was successful or not. And again, Mm -hmm. that mindset of how you look at something, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a someone's failure 
for one person that could be considered a failure, just like we were talking about failures being feedback. Yeah. And for another with a different mindset, it could be considered success because of choosing to look at the failure as a learning opportunity. And mm-hmm. so finding success in that failure. So yeah. That's right. That does. I mean, mindset is huge and exactly that how you take or how you look at, again, for lack of a better term, failure, you can choose to look at it as a life or learning lesson, or you can take it as failure. Oh, fuck, I I failed. And that's it. It's mindset plays such a huge part in, in all of our lives and in such a big way. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot to shift your mindset. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of, and again, this all, of course, everything comes back to self. The foundation of everything is self. And mindset is is no stranger to that it's it's, it takes a lot of internal work to shift that mindset it does yeah it it, and you know I feel like success also is so shaky when we're caught up in comparison too oh god yes I've been down that road that whole comparison mindset is just that 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 could be the death of you it's horrible it's a horrible road to go down and a horrible dark hole to go down. But I mean, I, I went through that personally when I first made the jump into entrepreneurship and it took me about a year and a half, almost two years to get myself out of it. But once I did, my whole world shifted and opened up and things changed so dramatically. And it's just proof to show you that, you know, mindset, how key mindset is to, to life and to living. Yeah, definitely. Comparison is the thief of joy. You know, I I truly feel I love that quote. And I really feel like that has, you know, maybe been overused, but there's so much truth whenever you're feeling like you're lacking joy in your life. That is such a great opportunity to check in and acknowledge where am I comparing myself? Who am I comparing myself to? Caitlin, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Probably the art of just being and not doing all the time and the permission that I needed to receive for myself to give myself the opportunity to live my life like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, we've said human being so much in this conversation. (laughs) I was just going to say being seems to be a very common theme today. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is because I, I think learning that I was living my life in that doing mentality Mm -hmm. without even realizing it and what I was sacrificing and why, like what felt safe being in that doing mentality and, and learning how to let that go and truly just adopt a mentality of being and the skills that I've adopted to facilitate the safety and just being too. Amazing. Can you share a situation that's occurred in your life that you feel provides insight to your character, who Caitlin is? Yes. And I, <laughs> I <laughs> apologize. That yet? Yes to all of it. <laughs> no, I apologize. I keep saying um before I jump in with, with my answers and they're just such thought provoking questions, Brad. Good. I'm glad. That's great. No, I really, I really do appreciate them. Can you repeat this question one more sure, time? Sure. Yeah, of course. Can you share a situation that's occurred in your life that you feel provides insight as to your character, who Caitlin is? 
the first thing that comes to mind is dress ups. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a million pictures in photo albums at my family's house of me in different costumes and outfits growing up like every single academy awards show i would dress up and grab a ruler or something and go around my house and interview people i was basically born into a dress up box i just i absolutely love i loved pretending i was you know someone else i grew up in theater too but but just playing like that i feel like that is a moment in my life where I was always fully expressed. Like I was, I never felt like I had to apologize for just playing in a dress up box. And I think that today, like there's so, if whenever I'm doing inner child work, that's something that I really connect deeply to right, right now. Just that time period of dressing up and, and playing and fun. And that's how I try to live my life these days. Just doing what I, I feel is the best for me right now versus what I think I should be doing. I find that in our adult lives, it's like we completely forget about that inner child and what it's like to be a kid and to have fun like we did when we were children. It it all goes out the window because we're told that adults, you've got all, and of course we do as adults, we have a hell of a lot more responsibility, but that doesn't mean that should detract or take away from remembering what it was like to be a kid and having fun like you were a kid from time to time. Life is too short. We got to have fun while we're here and enjoy this life. We only get one go around. So why not make the best of it? Have the most fucking fun you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I really try to live my life from that question of, is it fun? And especially when when you lean into your natural skills and abilities and, you know, there's that old quote, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I think there's so much truth in that. I, that doesn't mean that you don't have to do things that are hard and, and really, you know, go through busier periods sometimes in, in your life, whether that's personal or in your career. But I really do think that identifying your values, identifying your natural born skills and abilities and building from there creates this opportunity for you to have a really fun, enjoyable, free life. But I also, yeah, I agree with you 100%, but I find that so many people take a backseat to fear and they don't explore what lights them up and what excites them. And they don't take the time to explore that and find out what it is that makes them happy. And they get caught up in the day-to-day of the nine-to-five bullshit. And, oh, I've got all the, I've got bills to pay. Yes, of course, we all have bills to pay. But again, it goes back to the fact that you only get one chance at this life. So why would you spend, and it's hard. I mean, I dealt with this as well before I made the jump to entrepreneurship. It's a tough thing to do, but just fucking do it, man. Throw caution to the wind. Yes, the bill, the bill, you know what? The bills are still going to be there, whether you're fucking working full time or you're an entrepreneur. It, yeah. It's, you know. Totally, totally. And I, I mean, I think that, there's a deep opportunity for compassion there because everyone's circumstance is different. And yeah, so I really, I like to acknowledge the privilege there as well too. But yeah, I I fully understand what you're saying. And I, I, I think that too, where we can find those moments to just go for it. It's, you know, it's, it's awesome. For sure. Caitlin, what's your personal motto? My personal motto, um, 
progress, not perfection. Love it. Okay. We're going to jump into a, a rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be one, two word answer type thing. Okay. Yeah. How would you describe yourself in one word? Alive. If you're writing your autobiography, what would the title be? My life. It's messy and <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> what would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? Listener, kind and compassionate. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Empathy. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Time. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Empathy. <laughs> More empathy. <laughs> What's the first thing you think when I say the word future? Ooh, women. Awesome. That's a very cool answer. Entrepreneur life is? Learning. Okay. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? Probably my sister. And I, I have a bond with her that I don't have with anybody else. She's taught me so much about myself and has just always been, just always been there for me through thick and thin. And I've learned so much about life through my relationship that I have with her. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Mm, the best version is feeling content, feeling just at peace on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Whether that is at home or at life or, you know, resting as well too. My immediate, truthfully, my immediate answer is, ooh, the best version is surrounding myself with all the people that I love. I feel totally peaceful and blissed out. And we are just sitting down having great conversations together and laughing our butts off and eating good food and probably spending the day going on an adventure the next day together. <laughs> Love it. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it? And what would it say? I would probably set it up on like the top of the Empire State Building and I would have it say you're enough. Love it. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Take the pressure off. Don't worry what everyone else thinks. Just it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? That's a really morbid thought. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I do think it's really important to talk about death openly, so I appreciate the question. <laughs> My last 30 seconds on earth, I think, would just be expressing gratitude and giving everyone encouragement to, to just slow down and live and embrace the small and big moments of their life and have more fun. Beautiful. Caitlin, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. This was an incredibly amazing, thorough, such a, <laughs> just an amazing conversation. So inspiring. Your story is incredible. Your story is so inspiring. And I just appreciate you. And I thank you for taking the time to be here and share and be vulnerable and talk about your story and what you've been through and your struggles. I truly appreciate you. And I appreciate you taking the time. And I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you so much, Brad. I really appreciate the opportunity being here and sharing with your community and so 
grateful for the work that you're doing in this world. This platform is seriously incredible. And I am just so inspired by, by you and your work. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast today. My guest has been Caitlin Parsons. She is a certified intuitive eating and body image coach, a speaker, and the host of the Body Truth podcast. Thank you so much, Caitlin. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.